This show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents the Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Now recording. Now recording. <laughs> I was hoping that would come through on the episode I did with Tune recently because we were commenting on him saying that, but it doesn't actually show up in the recording anywhere. But that, that's lame. That's adorable, though, how he says I that. I know. I know. I wish we could start the show with just now record. I mean, I could do a little robot voice. I could do the robot guy. And be like, yeah. Now you recording. are the Robots Network, so you should start with a robot recording. <laughs> yeah. Each episode. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've got the little robot voice at the beginning of the Fallout show that announces the show. Then he started talking to me mm-hmm. last time. Um, yeah, that, that, that last little intro bit was funny. Yeah. Yeah, I never know what people are going to think by uh, some of the silliness because, you know, I, I, I tread between like serious topic and then just like total goof. I'm still waiting to see where that goes. I'm convinced that it's going to keep progressing until eventually he takes over one of the episodes. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Fallout Lorecast. I guess I should say welcome to our Vault Dwellers and Wastelanders. This is a very special episode and I've been looking forward to doing this for a while. This week, we are highlighting specifically some of our Tier 4 Plus patrons on kind of one of these new things that I'm doing where... uh, Typically, the last few months, we've gotten together once a month and had a chat and gotten to know each other. But the conversations have been so good that I wanted to give you guys the opportunity to hear some of the stuff we're talking about and be in on the conversation. So this week, I have two guests with me, Cryptex. How's it going, Cryptex? Glad to be here. Good. Yeah, as the microphone goes... (laughs) Sorry about that. It's it's okay. (laughs) These kinds of things happen when you record. Um, And we also have Mustang, who is uh, guesting in because uh, somebody else actually bought your spot. (laughs) Yeah, I cheated my way into here. You cheated your way in. (laughs) Uh, But that's totally cool. Um, I don't know how to say your name. Petter Nails? Perdonalis? I I looked it up last night. I think it's like Perdonalis Falls or something like that. Pernell's Falls, yeah, something like that. I can't, oh I can't necessarily pronounce it, but uh, thank you too much, so much um, for subbing at the higher level and then letting Mustang take your spot and join on the show. That's really nice of you mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to to both of us, you know, because it works out for both of us, I guess. Um, so, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. So, um, man, all the all the recent news with Fallout seventy six at QuakeCon has got me kind of hyped and interested in some of the stuff. I can't wait for like November when it's all going to be out. It's, I'm just sitting here like, can I play now? No. <laughs> November can't come soon enough. Yeah. So um, let's start there. Is Fallout 76 something that both of you guys have now taken the dive into? It's really just been a new thing for me. I picked it up maybe a week ago, 10 days. <laughs> so I'm just getting into it. And it was because of this podcast and 
well i mean partially because of the chad podcast as well that i'm like this is something i'm gonna have to play yeah yeah so um as a brand new player basically 10 days in uh as a as a nice new uh wastelander who recently left the vault (laughs) what's your what's your impression of the game so far I've had a lot of positives and, and a few less than positives just being a fan of the entire series. So I think there were you know a few things that that I, I that I miss from some of the other games, but overall it's been a really exciting experience. I've had really great moments <laughs> that have this just intensity that you don't get in in the single player games. Yeah, so uh, par for the course then. A kind of a mixed response so far, but yet the the highs are high. It's yes, just for sure. stuff is missing. Cool. Mustang, what is your what is your general feeling about the game been? So I've absolutely loved the game. Um I actually pre-ordered it right as it was like the next day after it was released. Oh wow. So this is this it's absolutely not new to me. I played every single session of the beta on Xbox. So I'm I'm pretty, pretty well versed in the whole Fallout 76 thing, and I still love it. And I'm kind of like a gaming optimist in a way so i kind of turn my back on what everyone's saying negatively and just say oh well that's not happening to me so it must be not that bad yeah you kind of rely on your own experience mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. yeah yeah that makes sense so what what level are you up to i think i'm up to in the 90s, 90s? i haven't played that much but that's still pretty good i mean it's mm-hmm. higher than mine i haven't really dove back in in a while if pe- people who are regular listeners know that i've kind of fallen off of that and i've been playing some mm-hmm. other stuff lately but um i'm definitely going to dive back in when some of the new stuff comes out mm-hmm. um yeah. so yeah so on that pre- subject i'm kind of curious right. with the, the bringing back npcs what mm-hmm. they're talking about is that they're going to come back into the wasteland or is it going to be like a, a rewrite of, of now they're just here I think it's a, from what I understand is it's as if time has passed. So the world that you are experiencing now in the game will exist now. And then at a certain time, the world will change and the things will be updated and NPCs will show up and even locations and things will get updated. So places that you've been may look a little bit different, or they may now have settlements from different factions in them. Uh, even the landscape can change based on what has happened over time. So it's kind of this like, and it, again, I'm just kind of speculating based on things I've heard. So I, I don't know that we'll really know until we actually see it. But the feeling I get is it's very much a lived in place and it will continue to change over time. So Get in and experience it now if you want to <laughs> feel what this is like without the NPCs and then come back and I'm sure it's going to feel very different once they're actually walking around. And mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing WoW went through several times where it just completely rewrote the, the world and it was, you couldn't experience how it was before the updates. Right, which is why uh, WoW Classic is such a big topic. Uh, it's coming out in just a few weeks, I think. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's, whole, that's a whole other topic. Um, my <laughs> wife and I have played WoW uh, throughout the years on and off, me on and off more than her. And um, uh, she's actually bigger into it than I am. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine going back to 15 years ago, WoW, when it first came out. That's, I don't know. Some people really want that experience, but that's a really grinding, <laughs> slow game to go back to. <laughs> There's a reason why they updated it. Yeah. So, Cryptex, what other things have you been able to do so far in your 10 hours in the game? Uh, well, 10 days. Ten, I'm uh, sorry, 10 days. Eight. Yeah. And I've 
I'm just kind of progressing through some of the early main story, uh, training with the, the responders, uh, following the the overseer. Most recently, I made it to um, Grafton. Mm-hmm. That was about the last thing I did, and I killed the Grafton monster. Yeah, that guy's pretty awesome. I did. I did not kill the Grafton monster at level eight. Hats off to you. Well, I got lucky. <laughs> he decided to go up on a roof, and I was able to to cheese it a little bit by ducking behind a wall. But every time he shot his ass and stuff. <laughs> yeah, the first time I, I killed a Grafton monster, I got him stuck under an overpass. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of cheesed it. I think the first time I killed one was in Charleston. I was sitting on that ridge to i can't remember which direction it is i think it's north but and he was down by the capitol building and i just kept shooting him and kept dodging his oil attacks so i kind of cheesed it too yeah right. yeah yeah he's definitely one of those dudes the first time you see him you're like mm, what can i do to not have to get right in front of this thing <laughs> <laughs> to keep it at a distance you know i tell you so, on eight levels i've died exactly twice and they're very memorable <laughs> yeah do you have stories compared to the other the other games you know where you can kind of take a breath you can pause the game you can think through your next strategy you know everything is going so quickly in this one um, yeah yeah so that is, times we're, right. that we're is something from, i noticed uh, initially uh is that because you can't pause it in vats or even just slow it down like in fallout 4 everything right. feels way more uh dire <laughs> i guess right, exactly. yeah so go, go i'm sorry go on both times were two roving uh, super mutant bands. The first time they actually jumped me and surprised me coming through the woods. I didn't see them. I was trying to get to the next location. They were just on me and I had no time to really react. The second time I saw them coming, I thought I could try and snipe some of them off and get you know the upper hand. And it's still just, it didn't go my way. Mm. Yeah, level eight, I, I think the super mutants are still pretty aggressive at that point. Uh, tough. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that reminds me of the first time I ran into Super Mutants in Fallout 4. And of, of course, I had played Fallout 3 in New Vegas, so I, I knew what they were, but hadn't really, you know, had to deal with them yet. And mm-hmm. of, cur- of course, the first time I come across it, like a roving band of Super Mutants in Fallout 4, there's one of them with like a blinking light. And I'm like, hmm, what's that <laughs> blinking light? <laughs> not knowing any better i shot the other guys first and then all of a sudden this dude's right up on me blowing himself up and yeah i didn't i didn't survive that (laughs) encounter the first time so anything else notable from your experience so far uh the 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 single moment that has stuck with me was a really really tiny thing but just kind of i was sneaking around this house and there was some ambient music and then the wind chimes kicked in and I think that might be the coolest thing I've experienced because mm-hmm. that, that, that intensity and that added to the ambiance that I don't think I have experienced in previous Fallout games. Was that the haunted place? Have you been to the haunted place? I haven't been to a haunted place. This was, okay. this was pretty early on near, near the actual vault. Yeah, just, there's uh, a haunted place. Pretty Maybe go back there and poke around a little bit more. Okay. I won't tell yeah. you too much, but go, go poke around. I want to. I want to explore all of it. That's the way I am with all of the, the, the. I would say the last three Fallout games with the open world nature. But I, I love exploring all the little side pocket areas that um, that are off the beaten trail that that they add. The developers add in, and you may not necessarily discover on your first playthrough. That's uh, that's usually where uh, Bethesda games shine the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do too. Is to just explore the map and see what things I find. Um, I always end up doing that first, and then coming back to the storyline stuff second. <laughs> right. 
because I just something about the the interesting places, the situational storytelling, all of that stuff. I'm just trying to piece it together when I don't really understand what's going on yet. <laughs> I usually go in the opposite way. I usually start with the main quest line, go as far as I can go with that, and then go back and explore everything. Oh, wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is completely the opposite. Mm-hmm. I always have to drag myself back to this. <laughs> so, so I have this habit with games in general, and I've mentioned this about, about myself on shows where I jump between games. But almost every time I play a very long story-driven game, I will get about 90 95% through it and then put it down <laughs> and move on to something else. And I've done this over and over and over again. And then like a year later, I'll come back and be like, oh yeah, I never quite finished that game. And I'll play for like an hour and then it'll be done. And I was like, and I'll be, what? I was, oh, I was right at the end. Oh. That's <laughs> so, funny. Yeah. So do you find going through the main storyline first helps you with understanding the perspective of the world or... Oh. A little bit, yeah. It also doesn't help that I'm super impatient with quests, so I try to get them done as quickly as absolutely possible. And then I usually go to exploring when I'm just kind of bored with everything. But uh-huh. do, you, do, you, do you read all the text or listen to all the text, or you yeah, I do. just jump through it? I usually do if it's my first playthrough, but with like Fallout or you know Legend of Zelda or the other games I've played a billion times, I just skip through it the second and third and fourth times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you're playing a different build and you have different like text options and things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I really hope. So talking about text options, one of the new updates for Fallout 76 is going to be settlers with conversation options like Fallout 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that you're going to have uh, things like, you know, char- the charisma choice or the <laughs> intelligence choice, you know, in dialogue. And that was one of my favorite things to do. It took me a really long time to play through one of those games with a very dumb character, <laughs> but that is one of the best experiences that you should try at some point is just to play in a dumb character and having really stupid conversations with people. Maybe I should give that a try. That sounds fun. I've always been the super high intelligent characters. So all of my dialogue options are all like science and intelligence and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Try going really dumb and really strong. Like, like build yourself a Chad. I was going to say, every, every once in a while, you got to do a playthrough as a Chad. Yep, yep. Build, build a Chad. Go, you know, terrorize the wasteland and see what kinds of conversations you can have. So, uh, Mustang, I'm also interested to know um, in your experience in these and, and, and Cryptex, in your experience playing the other Fallout games and now Fallout 76, are there. Um, and this is this is a question that's kind of been rattling around in my brain for a long time that I think is finally, you know how sometimes thoughts don't really take root and you don't really have words for them and then all of a sudden they kind of make it to the front of your brain and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you have words? Uh, that's the best way I can describe it. Um, but it's something that I've noticed, especially having conversations with other people about the fallout world, post-apocalypsis, apocalypticism, apocalypsis, um, <laughs> however you want to say that, uh, in general is that... Um, one of the things that I noticed about myself in playing a game like Fallout or and having to deal with moral choices or watching a show like The Walking Dead or something like that is typically I try to understand everybody's perspectives, but there's definitely the perspective that I am almost always like, no, 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 this is obviously the the right choice in this situation. Like in Torn, it may not be a good thing to do, but it's probably the right thing to do. And the more I've 
dived into these kinds of topics and talked with people, the more I understand that, you know what, different people really do have distinctly different understandings of what would be right in these extreme situations. Does that, is that something that resonates with you guys? Do you, do you notice that you feel the same way or do you tend to be more torn? Well, um, I, I always associate it. Sorry. Oh, you're all good. So, I always associate it with D and D with a sense of that you, you have to build a sense of playing the character and not playing your own perspective. Mm-hmm. That if you're going through it in the mindset of you're playing a character going through these, these events, and I always have this takeaway of what would this character do, you know, as you develop these experiences and it varies each time and you, you know, different playthroughs of the same game. If you do things in a different order or things work out a different way, it's going to affect that character and kind of have a, an imprint on his mindset moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I like to role play my characters too. Uh, Mustang, how do you feel about that? So I, started playing fallout really young and i never really got into role playing until just very recently when i uh, started playing a cheat free playthrough of fallout 4 but now that i'm starting to get into it it is a lot harder to try to think of things from the character's perspective than it is from your own it's really mm-hmm. hard to separate that at least for me it is um but it is that difficulty also makes it really really fun because I'm not blowing through the dialogues and the choices and everything. I actually have to sit and think about what I should do or what my character should do. Right, right. Now, so um, from your own perspective, if you were in the world, in the Fallout world, let's say you're in Fallout 4, because we all know Fallout 4 pretty well. There's pretty clear distinctions between uh, the different factions that you can be involved with mm-hmm. who, who to you personally, if you were in that situation, who would you personally side with and why the Institute in a heartbeat? Because if I put myself in that type of situation, I'm only thinking of myself and then, you know, obviously getting my son back too if I'm actually playing the game. But if I'm, in that situation, I'm only going to think about myself and getting to the Institute and joining up with them would probably bring the best chance of survival for myself. So, and why specifically the Institute? Because of the technological advances, because of the ability mm-hmm. to like in the, in the game storyline, you end up running the Institute. So you have a lot of power and authority. Is it, is it that kind of stuff? I would go for the technology and also being in their actual you know, base underneath CIT, it would protect me from all of the dangers of the wasteland. So it would be the closest thing to life as usual without actually going back in time. Right. Interesting. Okay. I love that answer. Honestly, I think Mustang <laughs> would probably be more likely to survive than I would, but I would, I don't think I could have that perspective when you're comparing the altruism versus selfishness that you're probably going to be more likely to survive, but I would have to have some sort of meaning that it's not just surviving. There's got to be purpose. And I would gravitate towards the group that was doing the most good. And it's probably a, a, a controversial answer, but I would, I would go with, uh, um, I, I'm sorry, I'm thinking the responders is the same group from fallout four and I'm forgetting <laughs> the, the responders, which, group. 
Yeah, the um ah crap, you made it fall out of my brain too. I, know, I was just I was just researching stuff about them too earlier today. Um The Minutemen? The Minutemen. That's, no, that's okay. it. Yeah. I mean I I they have uh a perspective that I don't always agree with, but they are their their focus is aligned, I think, the most with mine. They're the most altruistic. Yeah. Of the group. They they try to protect and serve everybody, right. which also puts them at odds against everybody else it should, be, it should be more about more than just surviving and i think that's what they embrace right wow you guys you guys picked completely opposite sides what's <laughs> what's interesting about this moral dilemma is there's an argument so there's a um one of these moral questions that comes up in philosophical circle, circles and th- those kinds of things. And one of the questions is something like you're out in the wilderness with your child or you're out in the desert with your child and you're running out of water and you have only enough water for one of you to have enough to drink, to survive for the, to basically be functional for the next day. You're not necessarily going to die, but only one of you will be able to be functional for the next day. Who gets the last drink of water? And uh, survivalists will tend to say, well, you should do it because it ultimately, if you survive, you survive. And that's really what's most important is taking care of yourself first. People who are altruists may say, well, you give it to the child because the ch- you know, they're, they're your child and take care of them first. And hopefully they can make their way out of the desert over the next day. And you, you stay there and you know, let them go. Um, some people will argue that you still take it yourself because then you're able to carry the child and try to save both of you. So there are these like, but that's much, much more difficult to do in that situation, in a real world situation. Would you be able to go as far? Would you be able to survive? You're, you're kind of, it's kind of this middle ground kind of thing. Would the child survive the next day, even without the water? So there, there are these different perspectives. So from the one perspective, Mustang, you're saying more of the, you can't really do good unless you survive. So first you mm-hmm. have to survive. And Cryptex is saying, well, first I have to make sure that I'm doing good so that survival has meaning. Mm-hmm. And neither of these things are fundamentally wrong. They're just different perspectives on morality, which is super interesting. I sided with the railroad, which... I'm sure is controversial <laughs> in other ways too, but and maybe it's because it's somewhere in the middle. I feel like the railroad, I, I feel like uh, the Minutemen were taking on too much. It, it isn't possible to save everyone and protect everyone, especially all of the, the different wastelanders and farmers and people like that. Um, but at the same time, the Institute was clearly uh, in it for their own good above everyone mm-hmm. else's um, the railroad. And maybe it's because of just my experience siding with uh, some of the synths and getting to understand at least my first playthrough of Fallout 4 was this uh, uh, exploration of what it means to be human and meeting characters like, um, Oh, the, the detective guy, what's his name? Uh, the synth guy, Nick Valentine, Nick Valentine, and some of these other characters who are very human, even though they're mm-hmm. synth. And this idea of, well, if even though it's artificial AI, is it really that different from being a person if the thing is self-aware and thinks like a person? How is it that different? And so mm-hmm. the railroad was really the only the only group that really sided with everybody has a right to th- their own, you know, well-being, their own survival, their taking care of themselves, their own freedom, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. that's why I went with that. But that doesn't mean that 
it's the most likely to survive. <laughs> it's probably mm-hmm. at odds with everybody else in, <laughs> in a very different way. So, um, I, yeah, say, I'll say I definitely yeah. gravitated towards the, the railroad early on because I do appreciate that sense of, of caring for them or treating them like humans. But it did actually cross that line where they, they were putting the AI over humans. And I think that just again, for the same reason, the survivability of humanity should be put for, first. Because mm-hmm. they, they, the yeah. robots can't carry on humanity. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Now, sometimes I, I have this debate with myself. And this is another one of those things that I'm going to put out there because I like things to kind of be up in the air. None of these are conclusive. But the question of, and this comes up in sci-fi movies and games and things too, is fundamentally, is humanity worth saving? Are we inherently doomed in some way anyway? Um, and I think if this, is, this pertains a lot to Fallout in the sense that in the Fallout universe, humanity evolves and then uses science to get to a place where we are powerful enough to blow ourselves to the Stone Age. <laughs> and then we have to start all over again. And that connects to a theory about why we may not have come across other intelligent beings in the universe. And that is that biological creatures by their very nature will never evolve fast enough to catch up to the scientific advances we can make once we become intelligent enough and structured enough of a society to make those advances. So in that sense of, yes, I'm human, so I should side with humans, but Maybe if we can pass things on to another form of life that ultimately has a chance to be better than us, is that such a bad thing? I kind of got know. that. I kind of got that same feeling when I was when I played the uh, Far Harbor DLC for the first time in Fallout Four and meeting uh, Dima or whatever that synth name is, and I just remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, this guy!" You know, synths have always been seen as creations of man, but this guy seems like he's gone above man. It seems like he's better than us. And it's just, it's that same idea, you know, um, moving along technologically, advancing those synths more and more, they could possibly pass us up as species. And they certainly might do better than us at preserving the earth. Yeah, like the well-being of, I don't know life in the universe and everything might actually be better off in the hands of artificial intelligence. I don't know. Like this is just one of those things. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. And, and you look at the numbers. I mean, look at, look at humans throughout history. Most humans are pretty garbage. We're pretty, <laughs> we're pretty terrible things. We, we don't take care of other people very well. Mm-hmm. We destroy our environment. We go to war almost every generation for some dumb reason that's not necessarily the betterment of our society and each other. Um, you know, we have this horrible track record. And then you look in the Fallout universe and most of the humans you come across in the game are raiders. Mm-hmm. They aren't good people trying to make it in the wasteland and start a farm and raise a family. They're people who are just out for whatever they can get in the short term. And it, it just makes you wonder, is there is there a way and and I'm sure education is, you know, uh, the the solution. Education and true democracy and those kinds of an educated populace who can make the best good and scientific progress and scientific education. All of these things are good and can raise us beyond the status of people who are just looking to get through the next day. Um, but is that something that's truly ultimately possible? And 
Maybe yes. I mean, as a society, we tend to continually over time move in that direction, but <clears throat> but maybe not. I don't know. I think it's a really tough question. Mm-hmm. I do think it's tough, and I don't think there's really a correct answer to that at all. Can I offer a, a alternative perspective? Sure. Yeah. Definitely. I don't think either one is true that we're we're ultimately negative or ultimately good. I think it's humanity as a whole is more. I mean, going back to D and D on true neutral alignment that there that we have to have the evil we have to have the good and we've always balanced it out and that's why we are still here if it was all one side or the other we probably would have destroyed ourselves by now like the that's reason a, we continue for survival exist. yeah interesting interesting yeah that's a <laughs> so and there's a kind of a, a point of reference too of going back to the matrix movies if you remember the the first one they talked about having created a paradise in the first matrix and humanity rejected it that we couldn't accept a perfect world so could yeah. we couldn't be all good or all evil there has to be that balance right right even psychologically we have a tendency to um when we're in a very comfortable situation the things that would have otherwise been seen as little problems, we start to complain a lot about. It's mm-hmm. like it's like we raise the problems around us to a specific level of intensity, regardless of what the actual problem is. <laughs> so when you have when you have nothing, when you don't have to complain about where your food's coming from and getting you know the raise at work and the things that really matter and you know taking safety for your family, then we start to complain about things like, well, did they cook the burger right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and we get really upset about stupid crap because we don't have anything else to complain about. I just think humans psychologically thrive and almost live off of strife and challenges and negativity. Well, that's when we're at our best. That's when mm-hmm. we grow is when we're challenged and under pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an, it's a very complex question. Well, we've we've dove very very far down this rabbit hole thanks for thanks for going this here with me now i know you guys might have brought some other things that you wanted to discuss um cryptex you said you had some other things uh i wanted to to mention the the newest show that you've got this under the shroud so it's even though it's it's a radio drama drama you can compare it to some of the other things on the network uh it's a it's it's a really unique take away from um i think any of the other shows on its own and I, I've I've only gotten through the first three episodes, and I've I, again I've got kind of a mixed reaction, but I'm definitely kind of diving more into it, and I'm looking forward to listening to more of them. But it is I think very unique perspective um, in storytelling. Mm-hmm. So uh, without giving away too many spoilers, can you go on about that a little bit and why you think it's unique and, and interesting storytelling? Because I have a feeling most of our listeners haven't really give, given it a shot yet. So then you right, know, no, I'm sure. And I, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I don't want to give too much away. Although I should point right. out that it doesn't feel at this point, there's been really a, a story development that would be spoilerish. It's all kind of setting, setting the environment and getting a sense of the world that they live in. And there's a lot of parallels. It's based in Baltimore, and there's been political references to uh, our current government system. But at the same time, it's blended very, very heavily with this ethereal, um, otherworldly, mystical creatures kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know if, if anyone's going to know the reference, but it's reminding me of, a, a bit of uh, Bright, the Netflix movie that came out mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's like, what I was getting to, yeah. 
Yeah, like Dungeons and Dragons characters in the modern day. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it's developing the sense that you are a, that you're getting the perspective of a very small character in a much larger, very dark world. Mm-hmm. And yes. that's that's kind of what's draw keeping me drawn into it. Cool. So for our listeners, um, we discussed this on the most recent Robots Roundtable. So if you want to catch up on any of that conversation and get to know Ian, the creator, a little bit, he goes into some really interesting details about his creation, his personal experiences and those kinds of things. Um, But just a quick, I guess, overview. This is a modern day world where you are listening to a cab driver describing what he's going through every day. And he is part demon and a junkie. And having a hell of a time. Yeah, you could call it that. Um, you know, keeping keeping the shroud, uh, keeping it under the shroud, which it has to do with maintaining a certain cover for other demons and that kind of thing. And that's that's where it starts off. And you can, I mean, you can go, definitely go back to the first episode, but you can jump in in any of the episodes, at least for the first several, because they're all kind of their own individual little one-off stories. And over time, they'll start to, they kind of give you, like Cryptex was saying, an understanding of the world, of the background of everything, and the kinds of creatures and peoples and situations going on. And then over time, if I understand Ian right, these things will eventually develop into a much more cohesive story that continues on. So it's a really cool concept. I caveat that I've had moments where I've regretted listening to it in my car because <laughs> if I'm bringing a drama that deals with a taxi driver, you feel like you're on the street of a really bad neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I was going through the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was going through the same thing. I was uh, driving to work yesterday when I first started listening to it. And just within the second episode, all of a sudden I'm hearing gunshots on my way to work. And I was like, I live in a good neighborhood. Why is this happening? Yeah. Gunshots and sirens and screeching and <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, all the fun auto vehicle <laughs> danger sounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The opening of the second a- uh, episode, again, kind of reminded me of um, uh, the, the purge for this, this sense of, of being in a horror movie on the streets and ca- total chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some. There's definitely some other episodes. There's an episode where there's uh, regular active vomiting happening. Oh wow! <laughs> which is it's very well uh, sound. The sound is done very well, it's and definitely made realistic. me feel like. Yeah, definitely made me feel like. Oh yeah, I know that feeling. Oh, <laughs> it, it puts you in the scene. You feel like you're there. That was very done, well done. Yeah, the um, acting and the sound effects are all mm-hmm. yeah, the yeah. Foley work, all that stuff. It's so good. Mm-hmm. So, did you have any other thoughts on on that, or any? Uh, I, I know that we had a conversation. Some there were some things that came up there that you wanted to discuss. Uh, well, I, I was Ian himself has is kind of just from what I heard in the the robots uh, roundtable episode. It's a very fascinating perspective on a lot of different subjects, and I mentioned before the show that 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 really just like wiped the, the scale from one end to another for me I'm going whether or not I want to listen to it and, and, and then getting to the point where I'm really excited about it because of, of getting an, uh, a feel for his perspective and his mm-hmm. type of storytelling and getting into the story. You feel that you feel that shine through too, just from the um, kind of the, the, the disparate chunks of story that you're just getting little pieces of what's actually going on to, um, to the main character's kind of motivations and and opinions on things going around in the world. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a he's a very interesting guy, and uh, one of the things that I can tell, having you know talked with him a few times and been on the Discord and talked with him on Robots Roundtable, is that um, he's a very creative individual. And I've worked with some very creative types over the years, whether it's playing in bands or acting or you know, all these kinds of things. Um, and you, you can just hear it in the way that he responds to things that other people say. It's like he's constantly. I think his mind is constantly doing two things. It's picking up things from around him in order to like incorporate it into his like uh, paint palette in a way for storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also very, very focused on the way things are said. Um, he will make a point to say things like, Ooh, I like the way you said that, or this is a great way to describe this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really cool for a storyteller because uh, using words succinctly in order to just paint a picture is a super effective thing. And you can just, you can tell that he's, it's like he's living out this experience almost mm-hmm. in his own mind mm-hmm. every day as he's creating it and thinking about it and building it. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. It was fun to hear in the robots Roundtable episode, all his, um, his methods of creating these emotions. Like I think the one that really stuck to me was how he was explaining how he intentionally, when, you know, bad things are going on, he intentionally keeps the dialogue out of it. So you're kind of confused, but also trying to figure out what's happening to his character all at the same time. I think that part of his podcast is incredibly cool and incredibly interesting. Yeah. And, and realistic too, because Mm -hmm. in a situation where you would be recording yourself, if something tragic happens or something dangerous emerges, you may not continue to think to keep telling the audience what's happening and mm-hmm. until it's done. And then you can say, Oh God, this thing just happened, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which was what would actually happen. Mm-hmm. It's pretty smart. Yeah. So Cryptex, anything else about that you wanted to, to bring up or go over? Um, not really. I, there were a couple of things that I really latched on to that he said, but it might be kind of a longer conversation. Um, he had a, a fascinating perspective on the alignment system in D&D uh, that, that I've, I've kind of had similar thoughts over the years about. And I, but I, again, I think that might be a, a longer conversation getting down into that rabbit hole. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. So for anybody who hasn't listened, go, go listen to Robots Roundtable. It's up everywhere. And the most recent episode. Um, yeah. And he does go into the alignment, you know, uh, lawful, uh, chaotic, good, evil, and how he, he thinks of that and uses that to build characters and stuff. Yeah. It's very cool. So Mustang, do you have any other topics that you wanted to bring up in our episode today? Um, how about, mm, actually, never mind. I was going to bring up the topic from my patron message, but I want, I want you to debate that on your own. Okay. I'm still, yeah. I'm still a little upset about that one. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that on an episode too. I think I've got four messages now, so I think I'll probably end up tacking them on to like the end of next week's episode or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm be intrigued now. I'm going to have to find out what, what that yeah, is you're gonna about. have to wait. Sounds like <laughs> Cool. Cool. So if I needed more reason to keep listening to the network. (laughs) Well, thanks. That's high (laughs) praise. That that really does mean a lot to me because, um, I know I'm sure as you were aware, it it does take a lot of my time. This has been kind of, you know, as much as the podcasts are my babies, the network as a whole is kind of, it's, I don't know, my 
uh, I, I don't have a good analogy. My place where a bunch of other children are stored and put together. That sounds you're terrible. Growing a garden. A daycare? <laughs> My daycare? <laughs> See, growing I, a garden. I think you're growing a garden. That you're cultivating all these these <laughs> other talents um, that are that are developing and blossoming as, as well as you are at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, thanks. Yeah, I hope to do. You know, I, this is one of the things I've talked about with the other hosts. Is um, I don't know. A, a boy can dream. Maybe sometime in the next six to twelve months, setting up a uh, like an event at a, a gaming conference or a podcast conference or something like that, mm-hmm. um, or maybe even just kind of a general entertainment comic con. You know, some some place that like a lot of these shows have some overlap. And I don't know if we could afford a booth or a table or anything, but being able to go and say, "Hey, we're all going to this thing. We're planning it out six months ahead of time." And we're going to have a meetup on Friday night at the pub and, you know, bring your board games or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, wear your t-shirt. So we all know who, who's who. And you know that. Kind of so <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait to be able to do some of that kind of stuff. We'll yeah, get that'd, there. Be, that'd be really cool. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. All right. So um, to kind of wrap up our episode, uh, I, so my other question about, let's bring it back around to fallout. My other question about the Fallout universe and the Fallout as just kind of a a series as a whole is there's something about that world I found that really grabs everybody in a different way. Something about the lore, something about the the setting or the characters. What is it for each of you that really stood out and is is what initially I think I usually use the word resonated. What resonated with you in a way that made you go, oh man, this is different. And I can tell that I, I'm really into this, really like this. What was it about those games? And whoever, whoever is ready to go first can go first. I was going to say, I'll let Mustang go first. I've um, a couple of times. I think what resonated with me the most out of all these games is the factions and all their different um, ideologies and how they're almost always at war with each other, even though most of them have the same goal in mind, like with, especially with fallout four, um, most of the factions, maybe excluding the Institute all want just a safer Commonwealth, but they're all at war with each other to, um, further their own methods of getting to that goal. And I just think that's really interesting to me. Um, I'm a really big fan of wartime politics in that way. So all that whole aspect just really resonated with me. Yeah. So uh, similar goals, but different methods mm-hmm. leading to conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of those things that I find uh, going back to this humanity conversation. That's, um, uh, I don't know, most ironic about us <laughs> in general <laughs> is that so much of the time we can have similar goals, but we disagree about the path to, to achieve those goals. Mm-hmm. So my answer is kind of similar in that vein, um, just having come from growing up with role-playing games, you know, talking about D&D. Uh, this was the first video game that didn't feel like, that put, gave you that sense of role-playing without being wish fulfillment, those kind of fantasies, those high, you know, like Elder Scrolls Online, as fun as that is, it's, you know, that wish fulfillment of, of putting yourself in a role that, oh, this would be so exciting to do, fighting dragons and wearing armor. This was a darker, grittier, like I could see this happening and the the fear aspect of being in that world is what mm-hmm. drew me. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, 
I think it is uh, the setting. I think you know the factions are very interesting and and all that, but there's something about um, settings that are dark and mysterious, and this idea that so much of the time, regardless of which game you you start with, you basically are starting in a situation where you have a very limited understanding of what's going on. Um, even in Fallout Four, you know, you watch the basically the end of the world happen, and you go in your vault, and then your child gets taken away and your spouse is killed. Right. And then Mm -hmm. you come out of the vault, but that's it. Like you don't necessarily, you don't have amnesia. This isn't like a final fantasy game or something like that with the main (laughs) characters. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't even know who I am anymore. Like you Mm -hmm. clearly know who you are. You you have a, you have a past in history, but the world changed overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, regardless of which game it is, you you tend to kind of come out into this world and go, okay, what am I walking into? What am I stepping into? What's going on here? And, um, and I, fi- I find that is exciting, especially about things like Fallout 76 coming out and even just different things like the different kinds of creatures and enemies and the different factions and that feeling of not knowing everything and being able to discover it slowly over time and learn more and more and more as you go. Um, I find that endlessly entertaining and i'm glad they keep on releasing more stuff because mm-hmm. that, that's the thing i usually look forward to the most is okay what what creepy weird stuff am i going to come across in this one <laughs> mm-hmm. so i think uh, that's the thing that resonates with me the most well guys thanks for joining me this has been a super fun and of course if you um are tier four patrons or higher next time then uh you're welcome to come back and we can do this again last monday of the month uh, next month and anybody else who is listening if you'd like to sign up on patreon.com slash fallout lorecast or you want to upgrade uh, your your patron patronage I would wait till this month is actually over so that it shows up for next month's um, but if you if you want to do that you're welcome to join us on on a, a call we should have a special name for these episodes <laughs> like conversation with Voicelanders. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I have no idea either. <laughs> you got further than I did in the in the name generating. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like supporter appreciation conversation, but that's a little too complicated. Yeah, yeah we could, uh, we that's could, long. Yeah, supporter appreciation. S A C the sack the sack. Ah, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we could even come up with backstories for you and whoever else joins us next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're like, we're like this, these are the wastelanders, and <laughs> this is their situation. <laughs> Put it into the story at the end of the episodes. Perfect. Um, yeah, yeah, you could be characters that show up. <laughs> but anyway, well, thanks guys for joining me. And yeah, thanks um, for having us. Uh, yeah, thank uh, you. Hopefully, I can listen to this episode tomorrow on my way to work. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to try and get it up tonight uh, mm. for the patrons, and by tomorrow, it, but problem with saying these things is the future and the, by the time they listen to it, it doesn't matter anyway so yeah. yes i'm planning to have this up soon <laughs> and um yeah and, and for those of you who uh are not patrons um anybody who signs up for a dollar or more gets the extended version of the episode which i'm kicking around an idea maybe of opening that up to everybody in the future and just having patrons be able to chime in with decisions but mm-hmm. i don't know it's something i'm playing around with an idea with i'll, I'll think more about that and um We'll see. We'll see where that goes. Well, thanks again, guys. I will uh, hopefully talk to you next month. And if not, I'm sure I'll see you on the Discord and the Twitter and all the other places. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks for having us, Tom. Yep. Till the next conversation. All right. See ya.
old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. Why don't we ask the newcomer? You support the news? Hey Vault Dwellers and Wastelanders, thanks for tuning in again to this very special episode of the Fallout Lorecast. As always, I'm glad to have you guys here, and in the last few moments of this episode, we're going to make a point to thank our patrons and to read out just a few reviews. So, this week we have two new patrons, a Tier 1 and a Tier 2 patron. Our Tier 2 patron is Megan B. Thank you to both of you for supporting the show. I really do appreciate that. And just like our Tier 4 Plus patrons from this episode, if you are interested in being in next month's conversation with our patrons, then at any point during this next month, you can upgrade or subscribe at the tier four or higher level to get on the show. And then you can join us in our conversation next month. So take a look at patreon.com slash fallout lorecast for all the different kinds of rewards you can get and stay tuned for future really cool episodes with more fun chat with <laughs> our interesting patrons. Cause you guys are just the best. I, I really enjoy chatting with you on discord and I'm really excited to be able to bring this to everyone and share our conversations with everybody about fallout lore and all sorts of other kinds of things so thank you so much also if you are looking to help support the show in other ways ratings and reviews on itunes or any other podcast listening device that you use is highly highly effective at helping us to grow the show along with telling your friends and this week we have to call out a new review from watkins.dm in australia our Aussie friend down in Australia who writes uh, robots with zeros likes fallout almost as much as me. <laughs> this podcast dives deep into the lore of the fallout series. Tom is personable and a very deep thinker often discussing, I almost said dissecting. Well, I guess that's true too. Elements of the series in a way I'd never thought of. This podcast keeps getting better and better. Well, thank you, Watkins. I really do appreciate that. And stay tuned for future episodes. Next week, we'll be diving back into more lore. I think we might be looking at some of the factions in Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 and getting more into those games, as especially as we move forward with the different vaults and more and more into the vaults that show up in those games. So we're going to kind of start tying that stuff together. So I'm excited about that. And until until next week, stay safe, and I will talk to you guys again soon. Thanks for listening to the Fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com, or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter, at Fallout Lorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend, or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I really appreciate you listening, and I'd love to hear from you soon. You catch your breath just long enough to say, no, no, I can't. 
and slumping to the floor with your head in your hands, you say, she can't be gone. You curl up and you're muttering and you are oblivious to the scavenger who's sitting here next to you, scared out of his mind still from the death claw passing. And a few minutes pass and you look up and you say, she's not dead. She can't be after all this. She just, she just lost the transponder. And looking around, you say, I need to disable it. If she finds a way to replicate the signal, I can still find her, but, but only if I shut this one off. And then you head outside and the man next to you who was looking for the plumbing still doesn't have words. He's a gasp as you very quickly start digging through the pile in front of you to pull out the transponder and you look at it and you you think, yeah, this, this must be it. And you break it and you look up at the man and you say, this isn't my wife. This wasn't her. There's no way. And he says, well, uh, I hate to be in your shoes, fella, but, uh, is there anything I can do to help? I guess. I mean, what else? What's actually going on? And you tell him the story a little bit from what he needs to know about you following this transponder, this signal and looking to catch up with your wife. And he says, well, you know, if she's headed this way, Maybe she ran into the death claw and had to get out of there real quick and had the transponder on her and the death claw ended up, I don't know, eating stuff at her camp or something. I mean, it doesn't mean that she's eaten, right? You don't see any human bones or anything in there. You look at him and say, no, 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 no human bones. Well, fella, I don't, I don't know that you need to worry quite just yet. We just need to figure out, I mean, well, you just need to figure out where, where she, I mean, I can go with you. You want me to help you some? I mean, I'm still looking for more piping and maybe I can come across some on our travels. You're still not quite sure how to respond or if you really even want this man's help who you just met. He doesn't seem like a threat though. So you say, well, you seem to know this area better than I do. What's nearby? Where might she have headed from here? And he lists out a few different places. He says, well, there's, there's the vault I came from, but most seems like most of you don't know about that. So I doubt she would have headed there. Um, there's a, there's a burnt out village just outside of the vault area that we were in. And I mean, that's already been scavenged for most of the piping and all the things there. That's why I'm headed this far out. Aside from that, uh, we don't really travel much out in this, in this wasteland from, from my vault. You can see, I mean, there's a radio tower and what looks like the remains of a, a power station but those are even further from the vault than this is. Well, what direction are they in? And he points. 
And those seem to be the direction that you were headed. Oh, but, but I'll warn you, friend. There's a reason I haven't been up that way yet. I'm pretty sure I'll find some good piping to take back to the, to the vault, but we're also going to find loads of, well, I guess you could call them cantankerous robots. I mean, I'll go with you, but you got another gun on you? I need something to help defend myself. I can't just use these pipes. What do you do next? Log on to patreon.com slash falloutlorecast and comment in this episode to tell us what you would do next.